Hello and welcome to Research Roundup, brought to you by Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm special guest host, Louise Bailey, and I'm a member of the PC4 Community Advisory Group. I'm really pleased to be speaking to the researchers behind this podcast because their work shines a light on what I think is a really important element of cancer research. And that is the role that people with a lived experience of cancer can play in enhancing research focus and process to achieve optimum outcomes. So today I'm speaking with Dr. Christy Milley and Ms. Sophie Shima from PC4 about their new paper, Long-Term Consumer Involvement in Cancer Research, Working Towards Partnership, which was recently published in the journal Health Expectations. So welcome, Christy and Sophie, to the other side of the microphone. Thank you very much, Louise. Great to be here. Thank you, Louise. So to begin with, I wonder if you could share with us what motivated PC4 to undertake this research into long-term consumer involvement in cancer research? Well, Louise, when we first started this project, both Sophie and myself were new to PC4 and I was very much new to the national manager role and it seemed like a really good opportunity to take stock of where we were with consumer engagement as an organisation and an opportunity for me to learn as well, especially since I came from a basic science, from a lab background, and the idea of engaging with consumers and using them to help you develop your research was a really new idea for me, even though it's not a new concept in general. And so I just wanted to make sure that we were supporting our consumers the best that we could and that we could continue to improve. Yeah, and if I could add to that, Christy, I think you know, there has been this shift towards involving consumers in research, but the impact of consumer engagement and the facilitators to success are really not that well documented. And we have such a strong and cohesive group. So I think it was really beneficial. Like we saw the gap and we thought it was really beneficial to report on what's been happening in our group in the last eight years. Nearly 10 years. I think it's nearly a decade. (laughs) Time flies. (laughs) So on a big picture level, Can you give us some background on where Australia is at, especially in terms of cancer in primary care research, with regards to consumer involvement? Sure. I think I'll start with just the idea of where Australia is at with cancer in primary care research, because it's definitely a growing field in Australia. And we're quite lucky that at the moment, the Australian government has provided some new funding opportunities to help build capacity in this area, but we're still definitely underfunded. And, you know, with that idea comes limited resources to invest in consumer involvement in cancer and primary care research as well. And I think that the United Kingdom, Denmark, Netherlands and Canada, who all have quite similar primary care systems to us, have in the past invested a lot more into primary care research in general. And in particular, the UK, so thinking about the National Health Service, the NHS, and some of their research organisations like Macmillan and Cancer Research UK have worked really hard on patient and public involvement, and it really is central to everything they do. And I realise I should say there that in the UK, they don't use the word consumers, they use PPI, which is patient and public involvement. And then thinking back about Australia, PC4 definitely is one of the largest organisations working in this space in research. 
and it's part of our vision to embed consumers in all of our work. But I think that there's been more work probably in the hospital setting when we're thinking about this in secondary and tertiary care, more resources. They also have a better direct connection to consumers as patients and their families. And so for us, trying to engage consumers is a slightly different process to what you see there. So in Australia, there's definitely a lot going on, but definitely more that can be done. Soph, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think you're right in that if you pretty much all of the large research entities have come out with the strategy or a toolkit or they have some guidelines to address the somewhat limited degree of consumer engagement in Australian research. And I think this was discussed in the paper that a high level of involvement doesn't necessarily equate to meaningful involvement. And I think that's really where growth is needed in figuring out how to optimise the processes involved and really making sure there is that mutual benefit for both researchers and consumers. Mm, Thank you. I was going to ask you if you thought that the current level of consumer involvement in Australia is sufficient, and you've probably touched on that a little bit, but do you have a response to that in terms of the level of involvement and whether it is sufficient in Australia at the moment? I think Sophie is right in answering that, that it's definitely situational and people are trying at different levels based on their capacity. And, you know, Sophie's right that there are a lot of toolkits and strategies out there and it's about whether or not those organisations are pushing as hard as they can to bring consumers in and, as Sophie said, that mutual benefit. So I think it's hard to say, you know, sufficient. I don't think we're there yet, but I know from our perspective that what we do is working as hard as we can to get it to that level of partnership with consumers. The themes you identified in your research were mapped against the National Framework for Consumer Involvement in Cancer Control, which was developed in 2011. Why did you choose that framework? We started our analysis without any preconceived notions of themes or or what might come out of our interviews. So Sophie and I together really analysed the qualitative data from those interviews and looked at what it was telling us and what themes emerged. And once we kind of got to that stage for us, we realised it was very important to have a framework to map those two to help inform our next steps. And we chose the um, framework that we did because it was developed by Cancer Australia in collaboration with Cancer Voices Australia. So it was really designed for an organisation like us and it was designed for organisations but by consumers really taking their viewpoints in. And so for us we felt it was a framework that was well recognised in Australia and that it was robust and that ideally it would have the elements of the framework should uh, map very closely to the processes that PC4 undertakes in our consumer engagement. So we thought it was a really good fit with us. The four elements of effective consumer involvement listed in that national framework for consumer involvement in cancer control are committed organisations, shared focus, capable consumers and inclusive groups. Do you believe that these elements are still as important and relevant today as they were when the framework was developed in 2011? I think the short answer is yes, It is. It, they are still just as relevant. I mean, the framework was published in 2011 and was that the year that JCAG started? 2010. 2010. So, you know, we've got 
eight to 10 years of experience that we're, we're mapping onto this framework. And I think with any framework, elements within them may become uh, maybe nuanced over time, you know, new areas of importance might come out. But if we're looking at the, the analysis that was done, uh, our themes mapped on really, really well. There was nothing that, you know, set outside of these domains. So I think it was a really good framework to use. And I think it was, yeah, it's just as relevant today. And may I add, I think some of the nice things with these domains with Cancer Australia and what we were thinking about when we mapped them were that Cancer Australia had also produced a number of existing resources that you could use within these domains to think about improving the activities that you were doing. So because they mapped really well, it enabled us to also think about then what the next steps were and are any of these resources that Cancer Australia have useful for us to use moving forward. Your research and subsequent paper clearly articulates the importance of creating consumer representation across diverse populations in order to achieve authentic consumer involvement. How can we increase diversity among the consumer groups involved in cancer research? Louise, I think that's it's such an important question and a couple of ideas. I think this ties into one of the key findings, you know, that uh, equity, respect and feeling valued are facilitators for long-term consumer involvement. And we need to consider what that looks like for different groups that we want to include. I think there's a lot of evidence that indicates that consumers don't really necessarily appreciate the value of their experience, or nor do they have the training and support. So I think setting expectations and really addressing that power imbalance and the language that we use are important enablers. I think another key facilitator is ensuring that there is diversity in the research group itself. And this, again, comes back to something that came up in the interviews and that there wasn't a large shared focus that some consumers reported that they felt like some research projects came up at the whim of the researcher. And so perhaps to get diverse consumers engaged, we really have to have them engaged at the very initial research planning and priority planning phase, because you're never really going to get a group of consumers involved if they don't see the value in that research. Christy, maybe you have something to add, because I know that you, after the results of the study, you've been trying to diversify the JCAG and our consumer group? We definitely have. It was a really prominent theme in the results and it was something that we took very seriously. But as Sophie mentioned, it's a really difficult area to try and push forward. And so we had been thinking about how could we improve diversity and part of that, our response to that in part was creating the community network that we developed to try and create a larger group of community members who were helping us and hoping that we would be able to create diversity that way. But also we've been thinking about more of an organisational approach than an individual approach to consumer engagement and diversity. So maybe trying to engage more with community organisations that represent specific groups that we would like to see represented in the feedback provided for our research, but working with them so that they're kind of the conduit in a way to the voices of their community and they share those voices with us so that it is hopefully maybe a less overwhelming or daunting experience that it could be for some people, you know, as a barrier to engagement so that we can kind of overcome that and still have lots of different voices shared while we're trying to develop new research. This one is a double question. 
So given everything you know, and in a nutshell, why is consumer involvement in research important? And more specifically, what does consumer involvement mean for research translation into real-world use? In a nutshell, I think consumers, you know, they add this really unique and valuable insight and they do ensure research quality and, and importantly, relevance. And I want to touch on one of my experiences when I left PC4 and I went to work in, in Canada for a year and I worked on a trial where they had a very different approach to consumer involvement. And while the issue that we were addressing was front and centre to much of the community, the way that the trial was run, we didn't engage consumers in this process. And I think the way that it was designed, because it wasn't developed in consultation with consumers, that it had this really fatal flaw from the get-go, and it was its ultimate downfall to why this trial was not successful. But I think maybe if we could bring it back to primary care research and some of the benefits that you've seen in the PC4-run trials, Christy? Yes, certainly. Thinking about the second part of your question there, Louise, and about the importance in research translation, and I've been in this role for five years now, and it's been very clear to me over time that I've seen trials from the start when there've been ideas, and I've seen um, consumers, when we've been in a workshop, just make a really simple comment, just purely based from, you know, their experience, and they're always, you know, really happy to share. And that comment has kind of set off a light bulb in the researcher and consumers representing the greater experience of other people, you know, their lived experience is what really helps create a trial that is relevant to consumers and relevant to the community. But the things we always talk about in research are around feasibility and um, acceptability and relevance and it's the consumer's input that really ensures that as the researchers are designing these trials and the the methods used in these trials, that we are creating um, a trial that is going to be feasible and acceptable and pretty much they're just fancy words for saying, is it going to work in the real world? And when you don't include consumers in that, you spend all of this time developing a trial and then you run it and you wonder why patients aren't being recruited, why they don't want to do it and why you can't implement it. And I think that's the biggest contribution that consumers have is that at the end of the day, the research that's produced is going to work in the real world. Finally, where to now for consumer involvement at PC4? What have you learned from your research as an organisation in your own right? So much, Louise, so much. For both Sophie and I, this this process was wonderful because it really gave us a deep understanding of consumer engagement and the themes that came out gave us so much to work on on how to move forward. And thinking about, I think, the barriers in particular to begin with, they really were the underpinning for us to develop our new consumer engagement strategy. You know, we really wanted to try to address some of those themes that were around work-life balance, the balance of being a consumer and everything else that's going on in your life at the time and turnaround times that we give to review work and the pressure of providing input as well when a consumer might not feel comfortable because it's outside of their lived experience. So all of those barriers we tried to address with our new community engagement strategy and part of that was developing the community network. So trying to grow the number of consumers that we are embedding in our research and asking for help and asking for their input to really help with that balance and, and share the workload around. 
And then thinking about the facilitators that we identified, those good experiences that consumers had had that made them want to stay with us for, in some cases, eight years. We were obviously doing something really well. So for me, learning that, it was really heartening and it was telling me that what we were doing was good, but we could still improve. And I think one of the biggest facilitators for me that I took away from the study was that the members in our community advisory group felt equal in everything that we did. So they always felt like their voice was the same as a researcher or the same as anybody else in a meeting and that what they were saying was being heard and that was really important. I think that was a big reason why they were happy to stay. And Sophie also touched on it earlier, that idea of meaningful or authentic engagement. And I think that came out very strongly from our members as well, that everything we did was, it wasn't tokenistic. We actually cared about what they said and we'd listen to what they say and we would take it on board, make feedback and make changes. We definitely had peaks and troughs in what we learned with this and there's still a lot more to do, but we've definitely used this as a springboard to really improve our approach over these last few years. Sophie, do you have any last comments that you want to add to that? Yeah, I just want to thank our community advisory group. It has been such a pleasure working with such a knowledgeable and generous group of people. I know that Christy and I have learned so much from them, not just in their insight into our research, but just through their support of us, always believing in us, always being there to help and provide some positive words when we're feeling stressed. So yes, we just really want to extend our thanks to our community advisory group. Thank you for listening to this episode of PC4's podcast Research Roundup. And a big thank you to Dr. Christy Milley and Ms. Sophie Schema for sharing their insights into long-term consumer involvement in cancer research. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg. And there's also our website, which is pc4tg.com.au.